Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, chickens. Um, fuck the 4th of July. Hi, I am Maddie Germs, and welcome to QBT. That's what I'm talking about. My name is Shawnee, and fuck the 4th of July. Fuck that shit. Fuck fireworks. Can't stand it. We are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And what I don't want is some red, white, and blue bullshit. I'm over it. Hell no. And honestly, you can also keep the fireworks this year because they are getting on my fucking nerves. Uh, me, like your dogs, hate them and shiver. Can't stand <laughs> it. Uh, you ready to do this? Let's do it, boo. Let's go. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> Shawnee, 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 Shawnee. Uh, despite fireworks keeping you up all night, um, what's up, slut? How you feeling? Thank you for calling that out because the listeners deserve to know <laughs> that fireworks did not stop last night, the day, or I guess on July 4th, until 4 a.m. So I did not sleep well at A mess. all. Um, so I'm tired. Um, yep. But good, I guess. I can't wait to go to bed at seven o'clock tonight. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'll be cute. And you had, nice like and a sh- you had like a short work week too, which was like I did. Yeah, That's I had a really long weekend, lots of rest, except for last night. So I'll rest tonight, and then I'll be right back at it tomorrow, girl. Good. How um, you doing? Did you get bothered by fireworks? Uh, yes. Well, but they had ended up kind of stopping and at the same time i mean there's been a lot of protests where i live and so um fireworks as a tactic of like disruption is has been happening but not to that Mm. level of like boom 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 for hours on end you know yeah um but um it's okay i just i'm just not a giant fan of loud noises it's just like it's not it's just not my favorite thing very Um, sensitive to loud noises yeah um also I said this last night, but once you've seen like one firework, you've seen them all, people. <laughs> same thing as a parade. I'm not a big fan of fireworks in general. And then same thing with parades. So I don't know. They've never really done it for me after the age of like six. <laughs> I mean, like very expensive, like baseball game fireworks or something like a total waste of money and a total like health hazard for everyone and it's bad for the environment also i read that like they can make them quieter but like they sell them louder explosively because like that is like part of the charade of them is like the boom like oh my god they're missing out on a whole market because i buy fireworks that don't make noise just quiet quiet (laughs) babies yeah look at the lights in the sky For, for all my sensey babies um Okay, so this week, um, in a little bit, we are going to talk about vulnerability, but we thought we could bring back a mindful moment. We haven't done one of those since one of our earlier episodes. It's been a long time, right? It's been a long time. And um, I think for me, as we were kind of briefly talking about what vulnerability can feel like and and how we want to talk about it, I think one of the biggest things involved in that is both awareness and then also um, self-compassion and and self-kindness and kind of like 
um, an awareness without judgment of self, you know? Um, so I just kind of wanted to do a quick self-compassion break. Um, I got this from the Center for Mindfulness Studies, so you can Google it and find, for, find it for yourself. It'll also be in our recommendations and resources doc in our link tree. Um, but if you want to feel comfortable, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out. And as you're doing that, um, bring to mind an interaction with someone that might have made you feel badly recently, or just a scenario in general that is making you uncomfortable, that's stressful. Make these something that is only moderately um, within that realm so you don't uh, weigh yourself down with the stress or get overwhelmed by it. But visualize the situation until it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Now say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering and suffering is a part of life. Put your hands over your heart and feel the warmth of your hands, the gentle pressure of your hands and notice your chest rhythmically rising and falling beneath your hands. And say to yourself, may I be kind to myself. May I accept myself just as I am. And then for the last few breaths, remember to keep breathing. Um, say one or more of these phrases, use whatever words speak to your particular situation. <sighs> may I feel safe. May I forgive myself. May I be happy and free from suffering. May I safely endure this pain. May I find peace in my heart. May I be strong. May I protect myself. May I learn to live with ease and well-being. May I accept the circumstances of my life. May we learn to live together in peace. Take one more deep breath. Exhale. May I be kind to myself and may I accept myself just as I am. Good morning come back into the space ready to talk some shit oh my god it's like my day started all over i'm ready <laughs> what? what the fuck happened this week that was great okay let's jump into and what about it uh there's a lot of shit that happened i didn't think a lot happened this week but apparently there was a lot of things so uh let's start with gossip Ooh. okay um apparently <laughs> Apparently, August Alsina. Uh, Who is that? Okay, so August Alsina <laughs> is a rapper that I actually interviewed one time, like back in 2014, 2015, Tracking. when I like lived in New York uh, and worked for a magazine. He's a rapper. He's there. Do you like his stuff? <laughs> um, I think I've heard a couple of his songs from like back, like back in 2014. I mean, uh, I truly saw pictures of. I, I'm interrupting, but Jada Pinkett Smith, that's what this is about. But, it's, um, yeah, more about her. Um, I've seen pictures of them, them together. I mean, he's got like a body. I, I get it. Oh, I mean, he's, he's I don't I, know who he one is. of my exes actually like is obsessed with him. So, I mean, I get it. He's fine. But his music is, it's there. You know, I, he's not my favorite rapper, singer. You know, yeah. I feel like there's a few other people I can name, but... So what's the drama? Apparently, he has been dating Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. 
who is in a marriage with Will Smith. Right. Um, and we all know that there's this persistent rumor of uh, Jada and Will having like an open relationship. Yeah, I uh, thought that when I read this headline, I was like, why is this news? Don't they actively, t- is, is that a rumor? I thought it was actively something they talk about that they, I saw a clip where Jada was like, he might be on one end of the house with somebody yeah. and I might be on one end of the house with somebody else, but we are in the house together. We're here. And so I'm like, oh, they have an open, I just, I had no idea yeah. that this was like an issue. <laughs> well, I think, and I haven't like, you know, dug into the, the all the details, but I think that the issue is she's just saying they didn't date. Like it has nothing to do with whether they're in, a, whether her and Will are in an open relationship or not. She's I saying think, it didn't happen. I think she's just like denying that she did. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and he is just, you know, consistently saying, no, we dated. And like, we talked about the fact that they're in an open relationship and X, Y, Z. So I think it's just getting like messy now. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like we've known Jada Pekin Smith for a oh, really like decades. Yeah. And she's been pretty honest and like forthright with things when you ask her. So I don't know. I, I would find it strange if Jada was like denying this and it actually happened because I, I wouldn't be able to understand why she would need I, to like deny it. Unless the only thing I can think happened. of the only thing I can think of is that it is kind of like um, a tip of an iceberg kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And because like they talk about potentially the open marriage part, whether it's kind of winky or outright, I depending on how you interpret their words. Like, there's a difference between saying that and then kind of like unveiling a black book, you know, of mm-hmm. everyone who that who's related to that and like who's been in the house, who signed NDAs, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I can see potentially if someone's coming and talking out of pocket, like if you have kids too, like your kids don't need to know who you're fucking around with necessarily if if they don't have a relationship to you other than a sexual one you know what i mean yeah um i don't know i mean i think open relationships can be totally cool and so there's some part of this that i'm just like i don't think this is a big deal like he's hot they're hot it's not no it's absolutely not a big deal i when she's like red table talk woman who's like (laughs) yeah i'm all about the truth like you're here to tell the truth when you like disrespect one black woman you're disrespecting all of us like i get that whole element of like she's on a high horse so yeah. i mean worst case scenario she's like using some feeded drama to get some uh, more views on that facebook show and that's, like, that's <laughs> what i was getting ready to say i was like they are like a product of hollywood like she's been in hollywood in the entertainment industry for so long she knows that her and will both know how to play that system to their advantage they've been doing it this whole time so i mean the kardashians have done it for 18 years i just don't right i don't think it's a story i don't think it is either i it must be feeding into something larger but i don't know it's news people are talking about it so yeah well i mean because there's like that shock of like what her last name is smith it's will and jada pink and smith like they're together and it's like there are many ways to be together girl like calm down um I I feel like that's some newer stuff. I honestly have gone down this full rabbit hole of not paying attention to new stuff this week. I like have just been kind of like revisiting old stuff. One of those things has been Hannibal. Spencer has never seen it. I have like seen it once. The TV show. Um, mm. uh, you've seen it too. Are you rewatching it right now? So I, yeah, I'm watching it. I didn't watch it when it first came out. Um, I saw a lot of articles pop up over the last few weeks about how Hannibal is like, 
people are enjoying it, even though it went off television like three or four years ago. So I don't know. I turned it on one night, like after work and was like, oh, this shit is dark and like creepy vibes. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of like, uh, like crime procedural sort of Uh dramas, but I think, and I'm only on season one, so don't tell me anything about what happens after season one. Uh, But I like how they are tying sort of this, this gore and violence to, well, I'm not gonna call it that. Like the, it's not magic either. What would you call it? It's like a surrealism, like the surrealism of violence sometimes Mm -hmm. with like a cop show. Really it's an FBI show, but. Yeah, it's more, it is an FBI show and it's also like a therapy show. So if you -hmm. don't know what we're talking about, Hannibal is like, so in the realm of Silence of the Lambs, so that's like kind of the middle book. And then the next book is Hannibal that tells what happens after Silence of the Lambs. And then Red Dragon and is the one that happens before. In terms of this timeline, Hannibal is kind of like right before Red Dragon. And then season three kind of touches on aspects of it. But then because they didn't get the rights to Silence of the Lambs, they got right. They didn't, so Clarice Starling is not like outwardly in this but there's also a sort of character who sort of kind of could be her and they've like gender flipped some folks from the books like uh the tabloid writer was a man in the books and it's that woman freddie lounds in the show um but it it, it's kind of this uh prequel slash alternate universe because Mm -hmm. of the way that it builds um but it's 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 fun just on the entry point. You're just like, oh, cool. I kind of get to find out where Hannibal Lecter came from. And not just like the kid days, but that time when he was supposedly an active psychiatrist and also a serial killer. <laughs> like, yeah. and it um, it's more about like um, the FBI and the brain and the kind of like thin line of madness. Like, I think um, it's just a super fun um, and it is dark. It, and it was on, was it NBC? It was on NBC. And y'all, like, when you watch the show, you're going to say, like, how on earth was this coming on NBC? Right. Even it, I'm I'm sure it was coming on at, like, 10 o'clock at night. But even yeah. then, like, for it to be broadcast television, mm-hmm. there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of creepy, it's, weird things. <laughs> and it, it's it's one of the coolest, uh, this is so dumb, I, in, or some ways, like, especially people who are more sensitive to visual violence. But, like, it is beautifully done (laughs) like Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. way that they intercut like violence happening to Hannibal like cooking and like slicing meats and like it sounds gross as you say it and but just like when you watch it it's just so beautiful and there's all these like really dark kind of like animal dream sequences it sort of has this vibe of like the darker elements of Twin Peaks the kind of dream sequences there um, without the sort of like camp and quirk and it has this Mm -hmm. cult following but because it was on NBC it didn't connect with middle America right like it's like what is this Um, but it it works perfect as a Netflix show I kind of am hoping that they bring it because it's been like three or four years off the air I think a season four straight to Netflix would be awesome yeah I I am only on season one, but I already feel like I'm going to want more and more of this. So it it's also well. not, I, I don't think it's like scary. I just think it's, I don't think so either. It's a little gory and it's, yeah, there's some suspenseful moments, but I would say that those suspenseful moments are qu- pretty quickly moved through. It isn't yeah. like, you don't have like an entire 40 minute episode of like, Oh, my chest. It's like, yeah, there's a couple scenes that are like, Oh damn shit. What? Um, other shit that I've like kind of been revisiting is 
just jungle pussy. I just love her so much. I like every once in a while I will listen to her for like like all three albums like Pregnant with Success, JP3. There's that other one. I can't remember the name right now, the earlier one. But um I'll just like for a week just like listen to those like top to bottom, watch yeah. every music video and then I like it's not that I'll forget about her, but I just, I will not keep her in rotation. And then three or four months will come around and I'll be like, she's one of my favorite people. And yeah. then it reminds me of that movie she did last year, the year before, Support the Girls with Regina Hall. It's kind of like, kind of like a Hooters kind of situation, but it's a very like day in the life of women dealing with men's bullshit. And Jungle Pussy steals that. I mean, Regina Hall's performance yes. is amazing, but Jungle Pussy comes out from just being this like new york rapper to actually having some fucking chops in front of a camera it was that movie so, good. Is so good and did not get enough like marketing or enough attention or people paid it dust i know it's on hulu i think it's oh, okay hulu. so if you're listening go i mean go support the girls and watch yeah. support the girls it's um, an hour it's and a half it's, yeah it's solid it's not like too emotional or like too violent or anything it's just kind of like women working women like mm -hmm. that's what it is and there's um it's just beautifully shot the script is really tight it's it's a really cute movie um speaking of cute movies and um supporting the girls <laughs> there's a new movie coming out called aretha starring jennifer hudson and i watched the trailer today and i got goosebumps while i was watching it yo i love aretha franklin that's like yeah. When I get like older, older, I just want to be able to throw the type of shade she was throwing at that age. Like, come on, she's a legend. Absolutely. I mean, for her voice, but also for like being a shady queen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's one of the original divas, you know, yeah. like, and I feel like people with less talent than her emulated her character. And it's like, no, you don't get to do that. <laughs> like that, that only comes with fucking owning to that 95th degree like that. All uh, I know is that when she was asked about Taylor Swift, she just said, gowns. Yeah, <laughs> gowns, beautiful gowns. And, gowns. I, <laughs> and that was it. And I said, you know what, Aretha Franklin, you, you're good in my book. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I, I wonder if that'll be in the movie, though. Oh, my God, I wish. That's just how it ends before <laughs> the credit rolls. It's like that interview. Um, Give them the Oscar. Really yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer Hudson has been, like, auditioning for this role since she was, like, seven. So yeah. good for her. She better get it. Yeah, I mean, I uh, Jennifer Hudson to me is like a little bit like she screams a little bit too much. Like oh, that. she screams a lot. Um, and uh, when it works, it's like chills, powerhouse. So I I, I can see how uh, in a movie framework and someone else's songs and stuff like mm -hmm. who actually had more of that kind of like big voice, like that was part of the drama of it. I think it can totally work well. She looks great in that trailer it makes sense i'm excited for it when does it come out do you know mm, nar yeah i mean our movie's gonna happen again like i oh, don't that's... even know you know i just got sad again being, <laughs> being <laughs> about the movie theater oh um, my god i was telling someone the, yesterday about movie pass they like had they i mean I've never heard of it well i mean at the same time i say that and then it was also like a year like it, the up and down of it was so fast that like yeah i could imagine that someone like maybe not having an idea of like what it was about but i was just like you don't understand i had kind of like written off going to the movies just because i'm like i'm too poor to do this you know i will find it on like some streaming platform illegally download it whatever yeah. I'll, you know i'll do that um 
but MoviePass came out and I literally, I truly, I think I looked through one time where like when it was still up and running, I went like once to three times a week for like six months. Dang like I, I feel like I robbed like yeah. all of these places, but I just would be like, I love going to a movie at like 3.30, two beers in my pockets, a packet of M&Ms. And then I swipe my movie pass card and I go and it's me and one lady in her mid forties named like Annette. And we are enjoying some like Julianne Moore performance together yeah. at 3.30 in the afternoon. And I'm just like, the life. I love Great. it, <laughs> you know? Um, Same. Oh my God. I, I did not have movie pass, but I still used to just waste all my money on movies during the summer. And I miss, I do miss them. I miss going to a theater in the middle of the fucking day and just sitting there and watching yeah. a movie, usually by myself. It's very like relaxing. The worst part about movie pass is that like, you know, we all got distracted by the cheapness and didn't even think about the fact that what they were making money off of was our data. It's like, oh fuck, damn it. Oh, well. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. I feel, that also never made sense to me about MoviePass. Yeah, I was like, how are they making money? You know they, what? I'm not going to sign up for this because I just feel like something's going to happen and then it's going to be more energy unsigning up for it. I'm convinced it was a, a data mining project from, like, studio folks. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what that was. Um, but, you know, I saw a lot of movies, so I don't know who's the loser there. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of losers, a lot of white actors are quitting or losing their jobs on animated TV shows. They are. Well, I think they're quitting, which is nice, I guess. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's like being like everyone be like, we hate you. And it's like, fine, I quit. So like, yeah, yeah. you quit. But like, like <laughs> they were already not doing right. So right. it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not going to applaud you for doing what you should have been doing all along. But um, yeah, Alison Brie, um, she voiced, I do not remember the character's name, but uh, a Vietnamese character on BoJack Horseman. Uh, she was literally like BoJack's best friend. Uh-huh. Um, and she, I mean, the show's over, but she essentially said that she regretted the performance and it should have went to like a Vietnamese actress. And, you know, all these sort of platitudes that were just like, all right, well, Duh. it's off television. Literally and like, <laughs> you can't do anything about that. So thanks for your words. But this will now live on in perpetuity with your voice attached to it, unless you right. guys want to go refilm all of this, mm -hmm. which I haven't heard them say. Um, and, it, and it sucks because like, you know, that character, um, was a really cool character, you know, yeah. like, I, and Bojack had a lot of really cool stuff in it. And one of the writers of Bojack put a long thread around his accountability with this specific character. And like, um, you know, a, a little too late to some extent. I mean, cause there's also like Kristen Bell and this Central Park Apple TV show. I don't even know uh -huh. what that is. Jenny Slate and Big Mouth who plays that's blackface. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just straight up. <laughs> and then Family Guy and Cleveland Show and The Simpsons, all these like yeah. other animated shows that have, I mean, it just, the thing that is frustrating to me is that I feel like these people are wanting either to be like, look at this good thing that I'm choosing to do. Um, okay. Another example of this uh, that to, related to Portland, there's a OHSU is a hospital here. They had a contract for their laundry with the prison systems, right? Like, so like prisoners were doing OHSU laundry. Um, and in response to obviously police accountability, the national conversation, 
you know, our new current civil rights movement, they're like, we're canceling our contract and like, and are expecting this kind of like, you go guys, like, thank you so much. It's just like, you shouldn't have fucking done that in the first place. Like, I don't feel super cute about congratulating any of these people on making these small steps. And I, where, where are the arrests for Breonna Taylor's murderers? Where are the arrests for, um, for Elijah's, for Elijah's murderers, for Tony McDade, who we don't even know who did it. Like when we can imagine a like post abolitionist future about like what to do with people who make crimes like this, we can have that conversation. But right now we're not there. Arrest them, fire them, like charge them. Um, and it just, it's like, okay, thank you, Hollywood, for having some sort of, like, yeah. conscience, I guess. And at the same time, that's not what anyone is asking for, especially not for BoJack. Like, that, you, you said it, it's literally off the air. It's off the air. I don't even know why this came up. And also, like, I don't know. It's just a big pat on the back for, like, again, doing the right, I'm holding up quotes here, uh -huh. doing the right thing when it's just, like, this isn't a right or wrong thing. This is, I don't know. Like you just use sense. Like why would you have a white actress or a white actor voicing a person of color? Mm -hmm. Like, how does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, how does it make sense? It, 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 and it can't be talent alone. There are plenty of talented black people, plenty of talented black people, plenty of talented uh, Asian like people. So yeah. I don't know. Like, I just, I don't understand why this was an issue in the first place. Yeah. And this also doesn't solve racism. And I, no. keep, I keep reminding people of that because it's the only way to keep this sort of, keep this from becoming a trend. Because I, like, you can't believe that, okay, I did this thing and now racism is solved in my industry. It's right. like, no, it's not. Like, did you help and assist with uh, abolishing it maybe a little bit? Sure, but like- I mean, maybe. Maybe, but there's still a lot of work to be done and it's not just in one particular industry. I mean, it is so deeply rooted in every single system in this country. Um, changing, changing the characters out on a show is the bare minimum. It's like <laughs> scratching the surface. I mean, it's like all of the, you know, businesses that put up like a Black Trans Life Matter or like a rainbow logo and then literally midnight on July 1, everything goes back to the same thing. It just, um, that may seem like a disconnected connect, but I think what I'm trying to say is like, um, this is an avatar change on an, a social media profile versus any type of actual change. Yeah. Um, that's what and I it's, think. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. Ugh. Because it's like annoying. In, in reality, when it comes to acting, like if we lived in a, a current state of being where everyone had equal access and opportunity and there wasn't oppression, like playing someone across race or like ha voicing something would not be this giant deal on it. Like, but the, yeah. it is a big deal because it takes away jobs that are already so non-existent. When you have one to two black characters on a show and even those one to two black characters aren't voiced by black people, it's just like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, it just is... You know, it, that we talked about it with Disclosure a little bit last week. You know, you have, like, it's not this giant, necessarily, middle finger to everyone when a straight cis person plays a trans person. Some of them have done fine, okay jobs. What it is, though, is that there are already 
0.01 stories in the gamut of all of the stories and even yeah. that story doesn't get to go to one of us <laughs> like it's like and i i know that us is does not apply to the like bojack or big mouth for me but you know what i'm saying yeah um so i guess we should vote for kanye for president <laughs> and that's the moral of that story jesus um, christ yeah i guess he's running for president i just saw that pop up on my news feed today and i rolled my eyes because <laughs> i mean really really come on I just, it's hard because it's like, I can't tell what the purpose of it is. It obviously isn't to win, you know? I mean, unless that, I mean, I know he's delusional, but like, that's another level, you know? I, say, I think he might believe that, he uh, or at least I, that he's going to get enough votes to prove something that it's like, that it was worth it, you know? Or Which, he and his wife are friends with Donald Trump and, you know, yeah. it might be a good idea to have another third-party candidate pull away from votes that would go. And that's literally what I was getting ready to say. I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean pulling... to take You stole my thunder. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's pulling votes from somebody, and I don't know which side. I don't know either. Kanye's been... I don't know what Kanye's been doing lately. He's been, you know, well, up until today or yesterday, I guess. Like, he's been real stealth. I know that he was at some protests, and I know he's been donating money, but he hasn't been, like, very vocal about things. Mm -hmm. Um... But I also know he still hangs out with Trump. Like, I don't know. I Kanye is still sitting over there in a corner for me. Like, yeah. he's got a he's lot. He's still in timeout. Yeah. So him wanting to run for president, it's just, why? No, no, that's not a good idea. That, that is the last thing this country needs right now is Kanye yeah. as president or helping out with the presidency in any way, shape, or form, including an election. I don't need it. I don't want it. <laughs> I mean, if he wins, we would have two first wives with sex tapes in a row. That's a true turning point in our country. <laughs> That's, That's called equality, people. <laughs> That's progress. <laughs> um, okay, do you want to take a quick break? Let's do it. And we are back to do some work. Are you ready to do some work, Maddie? Let's clock in. Mm, so we don't have a guest this week um, because God. we didn't want to have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we just didn't have a guest this week, but we're going to talk about, honestly, probably one of the most important building blocks of your relationship with your therapist and your relationship with like most other human beings, I would dare say. And yourself. And yourself. Um, and it's vulnerability. Uh, I think we mentioned it a few times on last week's episode with um, Franny and Brenda, but yeah, it's a vulnerability is such an interesting topic because I think we all understand what it is, and I think we all sort of perceive it differently, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, some people could see vulnerability as being strong. Some could see it as being weak, right? Just depending on what your perspective is. But you still get that vulnerability is still this uh, this concept of sharing parts of yourself um, that you might that you might feel some shame around, or that you might feel some guilt around, or that you might feel some sort of I don't know some like negative sort of energy around uh and sort of bringing those things to yourself and then many times bringing them to somebody else as well um and it can be a really scary thing being vulnerable i think um so i don't know i wanted to talk about it i feel like it was a good time to maybe bring it up i feel like it's yeah. threaded sort of throughout all of our things i know that for me starting this podcast with you was uh, a practice of it was a practice yeah and vulnerability i 
how much do I want to share with the listeners? How much do I not want to share with them? Why do I want to share these things and not these other things? Um, And then then me questioning that with myself as well and being Mm -hmm. vulnerable with myself. So I don't know, it's, it's been top of mind for me, especially because I also started therapy a few weeks before we started the podcast. So I have also been sort of going through, I don't know, like many days I've been questioning sort of my decisions and actions in terms of what I, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What I tell other people, like, mm-hmm. like what I disclose, right? Like yeah. what am I disclosing and why am I disclosing it? Mm-hmm. And like, and what am I not disclosing? And what am I not disclosing and why am I not disclosing it? Right. Yeah. And, um, there's no right, I love to say this, but there's, there's no right or wrong answer to either one of those things. I think it's just mm-hmm. about finding an understanding of, what you might be attaching again that guilt and shame to um mm-hmm. and then why you're taking that and sort of projecting it onto the other relationship in your life i know for mm-hmm. me i've had to sort of get over the fact that i might be ashamed of something or feel guilty of something but that doesn't mean that like my best friend is going to feel that way for uh-huh. you know they can definitely take that and sort of say like thanks for sharing that with me that has to be mm-hmm. tough like you know i still love you and support you yeah. um and i feel like i've had a lot of those conversations yeah I think like most of the topics that we are, that we kind of bring into the space that are these kind of like, here's a broad, big word. Mm-hmm. Um, I, often what I initially think is the about the failure of the English language to um, name something that can be interpreted in so many different ways and in different contexts i'm thinking about like okay so we talk about like vulnerable populations or we talk about Mm -hmm. you know an animal that is vulnerable because it is that which can be preyed upon you know what i mean um or vulnerable populations that which can be exploited or is exploited depending on which power differential you're looking at um and then there's this other side of it where where i think it's like vulnerability is is strength it's like this it's this knowing of self and then like opening up to this, to the world around you um, to receive good things, you know? And like, obviously what comes with that though is the potential to receive bad things. Like if you're open, you know, you're going to let both good and bad in. And I think it's uh, a movement towards discernment that I think kind of makes the, Mm -hmm. makes that rudder in your lifeboat kind of like, um, Uh, shift your interactions but I mean I think when I think of vulnerability outside of just kind of these like uh, definitions um, I think there have been various times in my life where I have higher or lower levels and um, I think if you're fucked over a lot (laughs) if you have a lot of people who leave or if you have parents that reject you and like literally have given birth to you have like raised you and then you know you reveal yourself or they see you and they're like no not that um that is hard because it's like uh at least for me in my brain it's like oh man like if the people who are supposed to like know me the most aren't cool with me, then how can I trust strangers with this? Mm-hmm. How can I trust a lover with this? How can I trust a partner with this? How can I trust friendships with this? And it's, it's been a kind of roller coaster of trying to figure out um, 
where vulnerability is useful and, and where it is an overextension of myself to try and get people to love me because other people didn't, you know? I remember you said that because I was definitely going to ask you, <clears throat> what are your thoughts on always being like vulnerable and like open? I think there's a part of me that envies folks that are like that um, because I think that in some ways they experience more goodness in the world. Like I, this is a guess, but I feel like sometimes folks who are more open experience more like random joy or like mm -hmm. random good stranger experiences and stuff like that. And then also that obviously comes with, you know, if you're naive with it, a lot of harm, people exploit you. And um, so it's, it's a mix of envy and also gratitude Mm. for like going on the process of knowing when and how to use it. I don't know. Did I avoid your question or answer it? <laughs> Maybe, but it's fine. <laughs> um, no, what I mean, do you I think, think about that? I think about that often as well, because I think that I've, in life, I've sort of used vulnerability as this like uh, goal post I'm trying to meet, like this. Okay this always on vulnerable thing is like, ah, that's when I truly hidden, like hit my enlightened space or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe I should explore with my therapist, but mm -hmm. I do know that my history was filled with a lot of not being vulnerable. I keep people at like, a, not even an arm's distance, like two bodies distance from mm -hmm. me, like physically, emotionally, mentally, all of it. Like I, I'm an empath, so I just absorb other people's energy really fast, and it mm -hmm. exhausts me, and it puts me in a mood, so I usually try to avoid people um, mm -hmm. for that reason, but also, I mean, and I've had to understand this, there's also a hesitation I have had around um, sharing parts of who I am with people. Um, I think I've been really good at sort of showing friends like particular parts of me, but never like the whole picture. Right. And I think that I've in life and telling myself sort of oh when I can like tell my best friends the whole picture or my mom the whole picture that's when I know that I guess I'm being vulnerable enough but mm. as I've been going on this journey I also sort of realized that no I don't think that's necessarily right I think yeah. it's more about and this is for me um I think it's more about understanding yourself and those limitations you're putting on yourself of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're okay with those, like some of those limitations, because some of those limitations aren't coming from like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a place of self-harm or like you're not going to progress or grow. Like sometimes it's just truly like, that wasn't that person's business. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I just didn't tell them or they don't want to hear that because they would be bored. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm learning some of the nuances with that. And I think another piece that goes with that is learning how much to share with like one person and how much not to share with them. And then being okay with maybe having some people that don't know you as well. And that's right. okay because not everybody needs to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. Or it's a risk assessment, you know, and I think um, I identify similarly in some ways of, you know, uh, being in rooms and being just very attuned, I think, anyway, to energies in the room, expectations in the room, tensions in the room and stuff. 
And I've also been thinking about how vulnerability um, with myself is using that same intuition on me, you know, like that focusing, which can manifest as like social anxiety around like how to manage or meet everyone's needs in a room or a party or something like that is actually a neglecting of myself. And like, and in order to be vulnerable with myself, I need to like, know, Hey, you're not going to have a fun time if you're, or a, a calm time or an enjoyable time. If you're not checking in with what's up with you and in your body and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that can obviously swing really far in the opposite way where you're a selfish asshole and have no like awareness of space. You're swinging your arms everywhere. You're like screaming when your neighbors are trying to sleep. Like there is a level of like that balance, but I also think vulnerability. um, I think if you don't have a lived practice or you don't have like a family that has always been pretty, pretty open and pretty vulnerable or friendships or whatever, that were really like kind of just based on, you know, what we might name as like secrets or whatever, but just, it's just truth telling, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's just actually t- saying and f- what you feel and think and saying and feeling those things. And with the expectation that the other person is going to catch it and it's going to be like, cool. You know, it's going to be like, actually, I love you more because you told me that, you know? Yeah. But if you don't come from that, there is lots of armor that gets built up. And especially if you're kind of like a social person in general, if you raise the statistics in terms of number of people in your life, that also potentially raises the statistics of like number of people who can fuck you over. And so like, you know, I feel like if you have a super small circle, you might think of yourself as like hyper, hyper vulnerable, but like with only, but that's like with a few Mm -hmm. people. But if you know a bunch of people or make a, career or a social whatever around that like there is some navigating of like I'm trying to figure out like what you need from me and like how to do that healthily and and what pieces of my armor do I lay down in order to be authentic in this space because when we do so much avoidance when we do so much um negotiating in our head with people I think that we don't allow them to show us who they are you know like we we make these assumptions about what they might do when that may not be who that person is at all and you know I think um I think there's something about allowing yourself to not necessarily be like hi I'm so-and-so, here's my trauma, here's my social security card, and uh, if you want like, to come rob me, I am gone from my apartment between these hours and these hours, and my dog never barks. So, um, like, that is, that's not, not, that's not vulnerability, that is foolishness, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, um, but there is a way of being vulnerable of, like, actually, a vulnerable statement for me right now is to be like, hey, I don't know who you are or like what your vibe is like. So I might be a little like standoffish at first because I'm trying to get to know you. That is like a vulnerable thing that is not, uh, that is not cut off from what your truth is. You know, it's yeah. like just about sharing that. And like, I think a lot of it too is maybe we'll talk about this some other time is like boundaries, you know, like mm. being vulnerable within your own boundaries that you can make for yourself and come into agreement and consent with other people. Yeah. 
which might be tied back to something I want to go back to, which is you mentioned like secrets. And I think that, um, you know, secrets are these tricky things. And I know, and I mentioned this last week, growing up in sort of a, in a black sort of, in a black family, uh, all families have secrets, right? Like they just, all of them do. I grew up being told, like, don't tell people this family's business, mm-hmm. which really for me as a child translated to don't tell people this family's secrets. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, not that it'll destroy the family, but just mm-hmm. like they don't need to know. And sometimes there's some iffy things that people yeah. don't need to know about. Or don't um, let people know who we are. Yeah, exactly. And I took that and like ran with it through life. I think a lot of people do in families. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think this is like a unique situation. Um, but I have also I've also had to learn sort of looking at vulnerability not as sharing a bunch of secrets because if that's how I'm looking at it, then it means that I'm looking at my existence as like a secret that isn't mm-hmm. meant to be shared with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to get to that sort of conclusion as well, because like I said, there was a time in life when I was really closed off to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, like emotion just wasn't a thing I talked about, which is kind of funny to think about now. But um, yeah, it's just like, I'm not sharing with you. I, don't, I didn't want to talk to my mom. I didn't want to talk to my friends. I'm like, I'm just here as like a physical being to be here. So you guys aren't like mm-hmm. mad, but like, you don't need to really know anything about me for real, for yeah. real because I don't feel comfortable with it. And I don't feel like my business needs to be your business and the more yeah. i've sort of understood that like well my business and my life isn't like a secret that i need to be afraid of or like ashamed yeah. of yeah um, it's been a little bit easier and of course it's not like an overnight thing it's like one layer after the other like yeah. okay today i'll tell my friends i didn't feel like going to work today yeah and maybe they'll pick up that i like suffer from depression i remember like talking to my friend uh initially being diagnosed with depression and sort of bringing it up around friends um I don't know like it wasn't ever anything I sort of outright said until probably the last couple of years but for like decades it was just I'm just gonna say I don't feel good but really I'm depressed and then what was that about why didn't I want to tell my friends one of the most important things to me that's going to help them support me because they want to so I I hear also that you're navigating like these like social cult sociocultural kind of uh practices around vulnerability right because mm-hmm. like so you're talking about it within your family context i think that i also received a lot of that language too i think it's kind of a southern thing i also mm-hmm. think because i feel like i meet some people out here on the west coast that are like I-, I will be having like my first conversation with them and they're talking about me to me about like their husband's like over there and they're telling me like everything they thought about this week and like when they last had sex and like all this stuff and I'm like mama uh didn't anyone tell you to keep your house at home (laughs) like who who told you that and at the same time when I think about it later I'm like actually everything that she told me is a very normal experience Mm why is it that hearing that feels like she's revealing something she shouldn't to me when like it's a why are these very normal human experiences perceived as secrets perceived as disclosures when everybody fucking shits man like you know like it just i don't know i think there's something i was thinking about too which is just around you know this culture of privacy i think that that 
we've talked about this a little bit before too, but like when we don't view our experiences as collective experiences, we view them as our own. Mm-hmm. That's where shame can kind of slip in because it's like, this is my mistake versus this is society's mistake that I am living. You know what I mean? And um, in terms of vulnerability, you know, you were talking about messages you received from your family. One of the messages that I received from my family was literal um, by biblical interpretations around like putting on the armor of God. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, m- my family talked about that a lot. And essentially this concept is like you put on biblical truths and morals and ideals and outward presentations that bring honor to God so as to not get harmed by the sin of the world mm-hmm. or you know, something like that. It's been a while. But I think um, in my present life, though, I can look back and be like, man, I really had to like, figuratively start to take off that quote, armor of God, and see this like, you know, in my nakedness, this queer person that like, was the thing that I was supposed to be wearing the armor from like, and and what does it mean to like, I can't protect myself from myself in some ways, you know what I mean? And like part of that practice of vulnerability was literally shedding this layer and looking in the mirror and just being like that same kindness that you give to everyone else, you deserve to give that to you. Like that same, like that same thing that your friend told you and you could tell that they thought it was a big deal. And you were like, I just think it's cool. You told me. And I think that now you can move on in healing. You can do that too, bitch. Like you don't have to be the secret holder of your group. You can let other people hold some of your stuff too. And I think. And that's when things become a burden. So like sharing your feelings, sharing your emotions. is like, it's, that's not a burden. It shouldn't feel like a burden if you're telling your friends like how you feel or maybe a, a struggle that you're having. Yeah. Um, and I also don't think it should feel like a burden to yourself if you're doing that. I think mm-hmm. it becomes a burden when you're too busy trying to hide it or like suppress it or repress it or act like you're fine when you're not, you know? Right. I think that that's when you start building up more of like a, uh, like a sustained narrative if, about like secrets and about, yeah. I guess your own shit, you know? Yeah. We also are in a society too, where like social media is this form of armor too, that like uh, when you're meeting people, sometimes it's that kind of like game of like, who's going to let down the guard first of Mm -hmm. like who, how you present, especially like in queer culture with like fucking apps and like, you know, then on top of that Instagram and like all these like social clout kind of shit, you know? Um, Or like, I mean, within marketing or all these things like uh, influencers and all that bullshit, you know, like, what does it mean to actually be vulnerable? And how do we absorb like false vulnerability? Like all these fucking YouTubers that are making all these like, that make apology videos and that becomes like a category of video. And, And it's obviously just as put on and fabricated as like this other thing. And like, yes, to some extent, to some extent, everything that we do is a performance in some way. And at the same time, there is a level of like, (sighs) vulnerability is not just truth telling. It's like telling truth and letting go of like what happens once you tell it, Mm -hmm. you know, it like, because if you're, if you're telling truth to get 
um, to get somewhere or to like, I want to level up this friendship. I'm going to like divulge something or like, I'm going to like, do you get what I'm talking about? Like, like motivated truth telling kind of thing. I feel like vulnerability is more like, I'm going to say something, what you do with it is yours and that could hurt me or it could be awesome. But that is where vulnerability lies. It's in that middle space of unknown. It's stepping. Vulnerability is faith that the people around you will meet your vulnerable state with love instead of harm, you know? And then that's where the growth happens and it can only happen that way. Like, because it's fucking scary yeah like you 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 simply cannot grow as a person if you are unwilling to be vulnerable because that means that you're unwilling to connect with yourself and you're unwilling to connect with other people and other Mm -hmm. things even like values and things in the world Mm -hmm. um so if you're cutting yourself off from that and you're cutting yourself short then like by default you're always going to be running in a circle yeah so and i mean perfect example is again look at therapy right like if you if you choose to not go to therapy and not be vulnerable to this Mm -hmm. complete stranger how like are you just going to continue living life this way you're just going to keep doing the things the way that you're doing them and not be happy like you you at some point have to take that step and say my mental health and my growth and me is worth this vulnerability or my vulnerability is worth that right like it And it has to be. It's almost like it's the only way to stay alive. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much risk assessment that we take in fucking driving cars or anything. And yet, like, the idea of the risk assessment of someone we care about continuing to love us when we tell our truth, somehow that is, like, the worst thing that we can do or engage in, you know? And some people listening are going to be like, y'all are some closed-off weird motherfuckers. But, like, I think for me... You know, uh, I think vulnerability in love is maybe even something that we can cover on another episode, but just kind of briefly for me, the way that vulnerability has kind of manifested through some therapy work is like, you know, my first couple partners or boyfriends, like when I experienced what I thought was like something close to unconditional love, or I met a partner's parents who like the the test was more around like how I fit with their partner versus like, is this person okay? Cause they're gay or not, you know, like I hadn't been around a lot of parents where that was just like cool for that. And like, I had that early experience with an initial partner and my brain just kind of went to like, Oh, well we're together forever. Like that. And like, um, and part of that is vulnerability of like, you know, when you're so closed off to love and then someone offers it to you, you're like, oh my God, I will do anything to keep this because this feeling feels so fucking good. And then, like with everything, like very normal things of, you know, certain people not being matches for people, you move on, you separate, you break up. And, but when you are someone who's been so closed off and then you open up to one person, it's kind of like the only person you do that with. And then they leave. Mm -hmm. It like feels like a reinforcement of never do that again, you know? And, and then that took me, that happened to me, I think. And that took me on learning. But that unlearning was several years of just kind of like, sleeping with a lot of people, but never talking to them, like sleeping with a lot of people and maybe not knowing their name, like sleeping with people and uh, maybe going date on dates uh, or whatever. But it still is this very surface kind of like, if we have communication for like three and a half months, maybe I will tell you what I think about a TV show, but like, don't you dare fucking ask me until then, you know? And like, 
uh, I think for me, I did that for a long time. And then part of the vulnerability with myself was sitting with like, man, you're not fucking happy. Like, yes, it, that pain of losing people and that rejection, it hurts so bad. It sucks. And I also opened myself up to a really beautiful few relationships in my life. Yes, they ended and it sucked and it hurt. And I got a really good amount of time. And, and now I'm cutting myself off from both the pain and the joy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't get either. I just get physical pleasure, which is like, I mean, some people are going to feel different. You know, for me, physicality is not inherently intimate or inherently vulnerable you know like i think that there's very detached ways to fuck and like um i think with like with my current partner i just i don't think that if i had spent several years feeling disconnected and recognizing the what i wasn't allowing in i don't think i would have kind of gone out on this limb and been like you know this is how I'm feeling towards you. And it might feel like out of left field, but like I'm seeing an opportunity that I think if I'm not vulnerable right now, I'm going to miss it. And like, I think about how my life would be different if those conversations hadn't happened. Um, Because I, if I had met him a year earlier, you know, I might not have been in a place to open up and then I wouldn't be in this relationship that I'm in right now. You know, it's like, it's such a fragile line, but in terms of that specifically, I just think it's like people reinforce behaviors for us that sometimes we have to unlearn to unlock the next level or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think, and a relationship is the easy, like a romantic relationship is the easiest example. Uh, I feel like I'm going to say everybody, but a good chunk of people have been in at least one relationship, I would dare say. Um, And we all know it's not easy. Like, what all do I disclose and talk about on the first date? And then what do I save till date three? And then what do I save until date 25? Um, But then that also sort of equates to the same sort of, maybe it's boundaries, maybe it's just understanding when you do feel comfortable telling people things, but it's it's always a journey I've learned. Like, Mm -hmm. vulnerability and maybe I'm answering my own question from earlier. I don't think there's a, it's about knowing when to be vulnerable and knowing, you know what, and knowing that you have the power to and that you can. Yes. And understanding that, right? It's less about, oh, I'm sitting here with my three friends right now. I think I need to tell them that in third grade, I stole a book from the library and I might have, I might be a kleptomaniac. Like, I don't, it's not that. It's more of a, I can have an internal dialogue with myself and say, uh, I don't have an issue telling them that, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's pertinent to this situation right now. Mm-hmm. And also like, why do I feel like I need to tell them that mm-hmm. at this exact moment? Um, and usually when you ask yourself that question, like, why do you feel like you need to tell them that right now? Um, you find out all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you know you're okay with telling them, it just maybe isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference, right? So, And maybe, I mean, I feel like we're... Um we don't have time to obviously fully pull this apart in all of its ways, but we something that we need like a four hour podcast. <laughs> everyone listening is like, please God, no. Um, <laughs> but I feel like uh, for situations like what you're talking about, I think that there are some people who kind of weaponize their vulnerability, right? They're like, 
it's like a way to get attention on them. It's a way to uh, remove responsibility from them or onus of harm from them because they're like, here is my trauma to sit with and I'm being so vulnerable that if you respond to me with any type of ownership of my behavior, that is like a, a, a discounting of my lived experience. You know what I mean? favorite kind of people to call out. <laughs> right. And like that, that, but that's a hard thing to navigate because mm-hmm. like you can see someone sometimes they are being vulnerable, but like you're saying, it's like, what is the motivation of that vulnerability? And like, um, how is it serving me? How is it serving my friendship? How is it serving the person listening to me? Mm-hmm. Because I think that I've definitely, I've learned from my friends who have shared me things that now I don't have to make that mistake because they were open and honest around their thought process and feelings or whatever. And obviously that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I'm someone who's got to try it to know it's bad, but like, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think, I think for everyone listening, if, if disclosure, if fear, if hesitation in relationships is always a kind of motivating repeated pattern, I think maybe just start to engage with an interrogation of that for yourself. Thinking about the things in you that you're so scared of people to see, and then maybe think about people you know that have those similar things that you don't hold with contempt. (laughs) Like you're like, oh yeah, I actually really love that person and they did something really shitty, but like, I still love them a lot. Like maybe people around you will feel the same way about you, you know? And what if I dislike everybody that is like me? <laughs> well, uh, that sounds like another year of therapy, you know? It's oh, a- I thought I was done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you want to take a break? Let's take a break. Let's do it. Um, okay, I am ready to take some meds. Um, Shani, what you got this week? I get to go first. Oh my gosh. Um, so my meds this week are right in line with uh, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I have been taking this week and it wasn't like a mission of mine it just sort of happened uh I've been talking to like friends on the phone both in like New York here in Portland and just sort of sharing things about my childhood or things about my personality today uh that were impacted by my childhood yeah and it hasn't been like a like I said, it wasn't like a mission of mine. I'm not like calling these friends with this mission or whatever, just natural conversation. And again, sort of having that internal dialogue while I'm talking to my friends around like, do you want to share this? Do you not want to share this? And like, why don't you? And what, are you ashamed of it? Like, why are you ashamed of this? And then what do you think Carlos is going to like judge you for this? And I mean, she will. I mean, yeah, she probably (laughs) It's out of love. So <laughs> I'm just yeah, I've been it's just I've been having a lot of open conversations with my friends and it's been really refreshing this week. I don't I love I don't that want to get into the details on the podcast because I'm yeah. not that vulnerable yet. But <laughs> um I'm happy that I am I've been able to sort of talk about some traumatic things from my past yeah. and not feel so afraid of them not again not that I thought that like my friends would hate me because of something that like I was a victim to as a child so right. I don't know right. that is also a thing that's and it's like of- 
<laughs> truly it is yeah we can, yeah yeah post-traumatic yeah. child syndrome mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh just briefly i think that's off awesome because i think sometimes when we get over the kind of hump of our own truth telling and vulnerability you know it shows people that are listening to us that they can do that too and like mm -hmm. it's such a it's kind of like a game of chicken of like who's going to do it first or what level are people going to do but if you step into that space most often people are gonna either offer something that you're like holy shit i'm not alone or like yeah you see me and it's and we're good and we're cool and like yeah. i think that's such a positive experience i'm glad you were able to get some of that this week and some of that like love this week and sometimes people don't know what to say they don't that's okay. They don't have the answer. And guess what? That's fine, too. Mm -hmm. There's going to be times you're going to be vulnerable, and it's going to be neutral. It's not going to be yeah. positive. It's not going to be negative. It's just going to, you're going to say something that's going to land flat right there. And if you ask me, that's still a win. Yeah, because if it's not, if it's not um, positive in this way of, like, celebration, it is at least, like, a net positive because you feel heard and seen. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. So what's your meds? What's your um, less uh beautiful i think than that um and in the same way i think is in a similar line of vulnerability i think sometimes one of my vulnerable stuff is um i i grew up like uh, not like bragging or like pride or taking like joy in so something that you've accomplished or something whatever is like not something that you do and i think that there's definitely like a line about it and I sometimes don't tell my friends things that I like about myself or things that like something cool happened or whatever. Cause I'm like, oh. I don't want to like, I don't want to be seen like I'm like trying to be seen as cool or good or whatever, you know, like that's a, that's another episode <laughs> of just like, how my brain works. Anyway, Girl, we got some issues. Yes, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> yes. Bill them, bill them. Um, I'm going to build the state of Oregon. Um, uh, what am I saying? Uh, so, very silly, but along this line, um, I, um, with my, my partner, uh, sort of, we have been looking for, for cars like all week long. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast and, um, we had just been kind of like really trying to put some intention around like what we were going to get and why, and just kind of doing that whole thing. And I've never been able to pick a car that I wanted. Like I've never, I've had vehicles and they were always like through friends or family kind of out of necessity, which yeah. I, I recognize from a place of privilege is awesome. I like literally hold so much joy for that. And uh, my partner went out while I was uh, actually, I was in therapy. <laughs> I was on a meeting and I was like, you can go check this car out, you know, like whatever, call me, we can talk about it. And then I didn't hear from them for like two hours. And we were supposed to go see this other car at like four o'clock and it's like three. And I'm like, Hey, uh, are we going to go see this? Do I need to cancel? And he was like, oh yeah, sorry. I bought the car. I'll be right back. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, but he pulls up and uh, my partner just made a really awesome choice for us. And, you know, I mean, we'll be making car payments on that. And that's like another annoying thing. And there's a, there's a car in our life that um, I feel joy around, you know, and it's really weird. I, I'm feeling weirdness and me being vulnerable right now is like, I'm feeling very weird saying that I take joy in a material possession um, because of the world we live in. And it just like, it's, it's hard for me to kind of fully disconnect from that. And we got this like big old Honda element that I'm just like, this is so cute. I'm happy. <laughs> She's in a cute color. Yeah, I can't wait to ride in that car. Also, that's 
story sounded like the most Spencer way of buying a car. <laughs> oh, truly, like just disappeared for two hours and came back with one. <laughs> Literally, I mean, I'm someone who like went dealership to dealership to dealership to people's house to people's house to people's house for like a week and a half and just like fraught with decision. He disappears for like 37 minutes and just buys a car the moment he sees it, which like love that for him. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> now imagine being raised by one Jesus. Oh love God. you, mom. Let's <laughs> <laughs> homework. Let's move on to the homework. We didn't have any last week, but you got some this week, okay? That gonna happen twice in a row. Um, what's this exercise gonna be? It was. I was gonna have you guys journal. I decided not to do that. Instead, we're gonna actually just like take action on something. So love it. What we're gonna do is we're gonna just go be vulnerable with our a friend or a couple of friends. Run into traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, don't overthink it. I'm, I'm leaving those words there for you to figure out what that looks like for you. Mm. Um, we clearly did the work on this episode and didn't provide like a definitive definition. Is that redundant to say? A uh, definitive definition on like what vulnerability is and how you should do it. Instead, I want you guys to sort of, I want you to think about what vulnerability looks like to you and then see how you can make that show up in your life with significant others, namely friends. I think friends are a little bit easier than other people. Mm -hmm. um, but don't overthink it. Um, I want you to just be able to speak deeply about the first thing that naturally just kind of comes to mind or that appears to you. Um, and the key here is to talk about it deeply. It's not just to say, <laughs> when I was in third grade, I stole a book from the booker. That's a true story, by the way. That's why I keep bringing it up. But um, <laughs> to like, just say that, but like, go the extra mile. Like, how has that impacted your life? How is that impacting your maybe relationship with that friend? Um, are there some things that you, that have just sort of been bubbling under this whole time that it's now the sort of time to talk about so it doesn't um, all blow up in your face later on? I don't know, maybe. Um, but you won't know until you actually go out there and give it a shot. So go out there, be vulnerable with a friend or two. Don't overthink it. Um, just speak about the first thing that comes to your mind and uh, speak about it deeply. And then when you're done, um, <clears throat> as you should always be doing, sit with it for a bit, sit with the feeling. So was it scary for you? Did it cause a lot of anxiety to have to, anxiety to, have to do that? Um, was it thrilling? Was it fun? Like, did you actually think this was great? Um, just sit down and meditate on how you felt before, during, and after the experience of being vulnerable with a friend. I love that. I'm excited to practice that myself and see what comes of it. Um, you can always uh, share your experiences with us and follow us at QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can check out uh, some recommendations and resources on our leak tree. It'll have, we do the Googling for you. So don't worry about trying to Google along with us. Just click on the link and we'll have everything we're talking about right there for you. This is the one time I will not say Google is free. You can just go to Google. Go yeah. to our link tree instead. Yeah, we, we've done it. I've done the work. Um, don't forget to subscribe and share. And thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And big thanks to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. Listen to her podcast, Trace Material, about the history and future of hemp. They are super cute, kind of short informational episodes about materials in the world around us. It's super awesome. Um, so you stole a book. When I was a kid, I um, went to uh, like a JCPenney or something. And like, you know how you used to go as a kid and you always like hide in the um, the middle of the clothes rack? Oh my God, yes. Okay. So one of my favorite things to do, other favorite things to do would be to go to the luggage section and take 
all of the locks off of the luggage. So just, and so I then would have like 20 keys and locks in my pockets. And like one time I took them out in the cart and I would just go home and put them in a box of locks. And then one time though, I like pulled them out too early and was like unlocking them in the back seat. Just like, I was obsessed with like lockets. I think maybe from like, um, what's that movie about the, the little princess where she's like on an elephant? Is it called the little princess? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or Babar. I don't know. No, not Babar. No, no, no. Um, and, but like little lockets or like diaries and I wasn't allowed to have either. So I would like steal the luggage locks. Anyway, my mom was like, where did you get these? And I was like, well, I just, they're free. <laughs> I was like, there's no price tag on the locks of the luggage. She's oh like, gosh. they went with the luggage that you did not buy. So then we had to go back in and I just like went and like, you know, in uh, Spirited Away, when No Name, like, holds out all those coins, he's like, oh, blah, blah, and, like, all yeah. the coins are dropping. Well, I did that to, like, a sales clerk, but just dropped, like, all these keys and locks on the counter. And he's like, ma'am, I don't know what to do with, I don't know where these go. This Your child's just, like, running them up. Anyway, um, time to go. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> I... <laughs> Try to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>